Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the unprecedented podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back, everybody. Thursday, July 15th. As far as I know, our government has not been taken over by the military yet. Um, John Aravosis here with Cliff Schechter. <laughs> hey, for John. How's That's that for an intro? As far as we know, we're, we're still a democracy, still but it democracy. seems like seems like some members of our of, uh, of the uh, military leadership thought we might not be. Yep, um, which is always fun. Yep, and guess what? I guess Hitler's back on the table. <laughs> Hitler, analo- <laughs> and it Hitler did, analogies, and it, and it didn't come from us. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, but it's true though. I guess all those Nazi analogies—they're not off limits anymore. Um, Let me tell you folks what we're talking about first, in case anybody has not heard, but I suspect most of you have. Um, uh, I'll give you a quick quick what we're going to talk about, and then we can dive in. But uh, today's topics are new Washington Post book by two top Washington Post reporters saying that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff was absolutely convinced that Trump was planning a coup d'etat after the election. We'll get into that. Um, We've also got uh, some documents out of Russia talking about Trump. Putin. Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, documents allegedly from Putin claiming that, in fact, they did have something on Trump and lots of stuff. Uh, and then the Supreme Court, a little. Update no, on- no way. No way. Way. Um, and then a little Supreme Court update. But let's. So basically, folks, if the theme of today is finding out in living color, as in in literal official documents, as well as books that that based on conversations with 140 different insiders, yep. that exactly what you thought was going on was, but even worse so, the top folks knew it was going on yeah. and were freaked. So, uh, and now we're talking about the coup at this point. Actually, actually, both topics, Russia and this, are confirmation that what we all thought was going on was going on. Um, exactly. But but, think, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That that's, that's the thematic, which is yeah. what we all, and forget thought, what we all knew was going on, because I'm sorry, after that Finland uh, you know, bowing, you know, first of all, you got the Christopher Steele memo, which as much as right-wing activist Glenn Greenwald and his friends try to discredit, many of the parts of it were true, and we yeah. knew they were true, it was quite clear. Second of all, you know, then, uh, you know, we've had all the other behaviors, and you kept getting more suspicious, suspicious after the behavior in Finland, where essentially bowed down before Putin said, thank you, sir, may have another, um, if you all remember that. The summit between Trump and Putin. Correct. It was, it was all quite obvious that, that yeah. he owned him. And uh, it was just, it was the matter of the details. Um, and My so- My doesn't obey me like Trump obeys Putin. Correct. And I don't I'm not even there to know how well your dog obeys you, but I just know that Sasha's there's simply terrier, no way. Trump is a golden retriever. <laughs> well played. I think you may have just hit upon the name of our podcast today. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, let's, okay, so let's step back and tell people what the Post story was about. Not everybody, I mean, I mean, we always sort of, I always sort of think everyone's up on this like we are, but I'm sure a lot of you have real jobs. Um, So what happened was Washington Post comes out with a story last night, and it's an excerpt of a new book by uh, two Washington Post reporters, Carol Lenning and Phil Rucker, both of which are very uh, good senior reporters at the Post, very trustworthy. They've got a new book coming out about uh, Trump's final year in office. And in the book, and as Cliff said, I think they interviewed about 140 different people, and I absolutely trust these reporters. In the book, they say that General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who Trump handpicked, who's also still there. And let's step back a second and say the chairman of the Joint Chiefs is the 
most senior military career military official at the Pentagon. Okay, the most senior official is the Secretary of Defense, who's all well, previously was always a civilian. <laughs> now it seems to be former military a lot, but uh, was a civilian. But the acting military head of the of the Pentagon is the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Uh, incredibly powerful, right? And remember, the Joint Chiefs are. Um, you know, Navy, Air Force, Marines, uh, Army, uh, and I think Coast Guard may be on the Joint Chiefs as well. I always forget about that. Um, right. But but the chairman is the guy overseeing them. These are all the military heads. And then the big guy, super powerful, super scary. I mean, in terms of the power this guy's got, he was so convinced after the election that Trump was planning a coup d'etat that he and we've got a lot of details we can give you from the story that he reached out to other military leaders in our country to figure out not just how to stop Trump from doing the coup, but literally how to stop Trump's coup from being effective. I mean, he was talking about things such as and actually the clip. I, I mean, we've got lots of well, you know what? Let's give some of the 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 scary stuff he said first. For example, he invoked um he invoked the Reichstag fire. And I'll, I'll let, I'm going to tell you what he said, and then Cliff will give you the history of what that means. Milley said that uh, that Trump's election lies, and this is before the insurrection, so this is like in November, right? But after Trump lost the election, and his lies about, about losing the election and Biden stealing it um, reminded him of the Reichstag fire in Germany, and um, and what and that Trump was basically. Not basically, that Trump was acting like the Nazis, literally. Cliff, tell people what the Reichstag fire is and why that would be relevant to what Trump was doing. It was a fire set to the German parliament, and I don't think to this day they, the, anybody knows exactly who said it, if I'm correct. Uh, um, right. You know, there have been different historical claims. Adolf Hitler used it um, to consolidate power underneath the Nazis and say there were internal terrorist threats. Um, and he blamed it on the communists. Or something? Yeah. Yes, he blamed it on the communists uh, and said, you know, which won't sound familiar to anybody, a right-wing party going to getting power by blaming communists uh, for doing stuff. But I mean, this is what we're- And, and so, so much civilian unrest that we need to use the military and, uh, and take away all civil liberties. Correct. I mean, this is something that, right you know, that was, we openly talked about. During the end of Trump's presidency, a lot of those of us who, who know that parallel from history, because we're like, when when are we expecting to see Trump's Reichstag fire moment? Yeah. Um, and, and here's let me go off on this for one yeah, sec, yeah, John, because yeah. I actually did my my research, which I, which uh, you have to be impressed with me because I should do it more often. But I went and I looked back because in this article in the Post, it talked about um, November 10th was when Milley, I think, had this meeting and he was freaked out, right? Uh, yeah, he had a security briefing about the million mega march that was coming up, a rally, and freaked out. That, but, and, and he referred to them as as Trump's brown shirts. Again, yeah. another comparison yeah. to Nazi Germany where the way that they enforced it is they sent out these paramilitary-type militias that, that I'm sure they armed and maybe helped train uh, a, a lot. I think that they openly did in some cases, probably less than others. But the point being that these guys were out there to basically beat up and attack and shoot, stab, gouge, whatever. Anybody who fought back does were that the, sound were familiar the too? Basically, civilians or what were they? Yeah, they were. Yeah. So I go. mean, you know, you, you were part of a loosely. A, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was going to say armed civilians that are basically working for the government that go out right. and loosely affiliated, and right? 
Exactly. And they're, 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 they're the sort of the mob that shows up. But what's key is I went and I looked back and here is an article from November 13th. So just three days later. Mm-hmm. OK. In, the, in CNN, the Trump administration, and you're going to remember this, the Trump administration has carried out sweeping changes atop the Defense Department's civilian yes. leadership structure, yes. removing several. See, once in a while, Cliff can do oh, his, see, wait, do his wait, work wait, wait, here. Wait, wait, I am going to interrupt you because I've got to give the lead into that, which was Millie said, and let me pull this from the article, and then Millie said, if someone wants to seize control, meaning a military took over the government, Millie thought they would need to gain sway over the FBI the CIA, and the Defense Department, where Trump had already installed tranche allies. Uh, and what he said was, because they're the, um, you can't do this without the military, you can't do this without the CIA and the FBI, he said, we're the guys with the guns. Now tell people what Trump did. Well, have I ever mentioned to you what a carnivorous beast my mom is? She loves steak and burgers, right? We grew up on them. I've never seen her so happy when I sent her Omaha steaks and burgers for Christmas one year. Holidays around the corner. Finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com right now and enter Stephanie in the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees like the world-famous bacon wrap filet mignons, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use the code Stephanie, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers free with your order. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com. You'll get eight free burgers when you enter the code Stephanie. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. That's omahasteaks.com. The keyword is Stephanie, omahasteaks.com. Well, do you ever catch yourself thinking when you're looking in the mirror, ugh, I wish those under-eye bags would just go away. You're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women. Until now, introducing the new Genucel Serum with plant stem cell technology from Chamonix. Susan from New Jersey wrote me, I've been using Genucel for a couple of months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and haven't come back. I love this product. I use it under my eyes, around my cheekbones, and on my eyelids. With its instant effects, Chamonix says you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. I love it. I use the entire line of products. It is my favorite skincare I've ever used. Um, They guarantee it, though. Results in the first 12 hours or your money back. Order now. Get 50% off all Genucel packages for summer. Go to lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. That's love, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Stephanie. Lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. I use it every single day. I get so many compliments. Check it out. Lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. Right. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll bring some more context to this, too. Um, I said, then what would this article from literally three days after this briefing, when Millie is saying he's worried that Trump is trying to get control of the Defense Department, CIA, FBI, other folks, or at least enough people in them that would support what, you know, his staying in power. Um, let me go back to what I was doing before. The Trump administration has carried out sweeping changes atop the Defense Department civilian leadership structure, removing several of its most senior officials and replacing them with perceived loyalists to the president. Now, at the time, we were we uh, we were all screaming about this and like what and the was fuck it, was is this he mid- doing? Was this November or so that this happened? Yeah, this is this is literally three days after, after the, the uh, after no after Millie's. It's ten days after the election. Three days after that oh, meeting that Millie held that briefing. Go. So clearly, Millie was hearing, if you want to do the math on this, yep. that this was going to happen. That Trump was putting loyalists in there because he he actually mentioned CIA, FBI, Defense Department. Yep. This is the Defense Department. Um, 
Let me read the second paragraph. The flurry of changes announced by the Department of Defense in a statement roughly 24 hours after President Trump fired Defense Secretary Mark Esper, so that's one person he perceives is not loyal and gets rid of, has put officials inside the Pentagon on edge and fueled a growing sense of alarm among military and civilian officials who are concerned about what could come next. And I I remember at the time we talked about this, and a lot of people, I, I thought, you know, we're doing the wrong analysis. I'm not tooting my own horn here, but but the, a lot of the perceived analysis at the time was he's doing that so he can attack Iran because that's what his yeah. people want to do. So he's putting yeah, top yeah, people yeah. of the Defense Department. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't mine at all. And yeah. folks can go back and listen to the tape. I mean, I said that was among possibilities. I'm not, you know, so I'm not, I'm not a freaking, uh, I can't read a crystal ball and I can't sit there and, and know exactly what's going on. But looking at things, th- what eventually did end up happening is what I was, you know, it, it wasn't successful. I was worried it would be successful. We're done talking about January 6th, of course, is what I was more worried about, which is he was putting people in place in case he decided he did not want to follow through with the peaceful transfer of power. Um, and so we've got this three days after, which clearly makes it obvious that this is what Millie was talking about, that he'd heard that these kinds of things. And in fact, one of these clowns who's, uh, one of, one of, uh, you know, Trump's loyalist Cash Patel, the other oh, yeah. article mentions he was trying to install the CIA. Uh, the other article being the one that John's talking about from, from yesterday, right, not, dis- not the you one. Dis- you disappeared for a minute. You said trying to install oh. and then you died. It was like Jim Jordan oh. came and got gotcha. you. Oh, God, that's scary. <laughs> um, uh, or Jenny Hastert. You said, I said um, Cash Patel, he, tried, he hired at DOD and who, and go on. Well, no, I think he ended up installing him at DOD, but the that's article right. that you brought up made it, it mentioned the fact that he wanted to put Patel in as head of the CIA. And clearly he did want somebody to fire said Gina, to him he knew he wanted to fire Gina Haskell, the CIA director. That we knew. Correct. Oh so so clearly what, what he wanted to do is he realized he did not have control of the CIA. And this goes back to the one thing, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna toot my own horn on this. When yeah. people were freaking out, the one thing I kept saying again and again and again is we are lucky he is such a dumb fascist because what he what he did when he went over to the CIA that day and compared he compared members of the CIA to Nazis. This is right right you know this is I don't remember during the election or right after he was elected from 2016. Uh, it was it was after he, the election, but he wasn't sworn in yet. Remember he went to the CIA. He he was going yeah. to the CIA and all that stuff. Yeah yeah. And then all of his attacks on Lisa Page. On Lisa right. Page and on what's his name, the one who who they had, she had a relationship with. I can't think yeah. of his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who were the ones they went after, and the way he fired. Um, God, I'm losing all their names now. But in any case, the way he went, he went after all these people in the FBI and attacked the FBI. Oh, they um, there too. Ah, yes, the um, bah, remember uh, the woman who called him out. The uh, the woman who called him out. The, I can't um, remember, but Comey obviously he fired, but yeah, he also yeah, yeah. fired. The, the guy right under Comey, the one whose wife yep. ran for state Senate in Virginia. Yep. Mick yep. something, Mick. Uh, sorry, folks. Okay. okay. But yeah. In any case, uh, yeah. The, 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 yes. the key point is CIA and FBI and yep. most of the folks at defense, including military, hated him. Hated him. And these are even conservative folks, people yep. that have been longtime Republicans. And that was the one thing I kept saying we have in our favor is that he's been made enemies of the people he'll need. Clearly, Millie was was looking at this analysis there and yeah. saying he'll need those same people. Um, yeah. So, so um, 
I mean, I think let's step, let's step back a second from this. I think I mean, there's a lot in the article. Go if you don't have a Washington Post subscription, you can still use one of your free ten articles or whatever. Or CNN has summarized it. Others have that are free. So just do go check out the article. Um, but it's clear from the article he was making a lot of Nazi comparisons. But I mean, not like literally that Trump was following the Nazi playbook. Um, very concerned they were going to do this. What I what I think might be interesting is you and me analyzing a bit why this is so shocking since I'm sure a lot of people say, we all knew that. I, I think what's happening is, look, we all, okay, I didn't know that. I strongly felt that. I strongly suspected that. But when the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is convinced that a coup d'etat is about to happen in America and starts to prepare for it, that's scary. Or at least concerned. Even I don't know, convinced, but he at least was worried enough to be talking to people. Fair enough, but he sounds like he was scared shitless that it was going to happen. I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't just, he was preparing like, you know, there's talk about it. We might as well be be safe, which is, which is already shocking. He was very, he thought it was a very realistic possibility. He he was crapping his pants from these quotes. Literally uh, one of his friends calls, um, where, what am I? Uh, Late, th- later that same evening, when he was uh, after the meeting on the 10th, according to the book, an old friend called Millie to express concerns that those close to Trump were attempting to overturn the government. You're one of the few guys who are standing between us and some really bad stuff, the friend told him. Millie was shaken. Um, he called McMaster, who was Trump's national security advisor at the time, and said, what the fuck am I dealing with? The conversation- No, former, edge. just to be clear, he was his former national. He'd already gotten rid of McMaster. Oh, I'm sorry, but, former, but correct. It says former, I'm yep. sorry. Yes, former. Um, the- the um, Actually, the other thing he did, let me read you this. The other thing he did was, I want to find the part when he was talking to, oh yeah, Mark Meadows. So, um, okay, in December, and this is what Cliff was talking about when when he put all the appointment. In December, with rules, this is the Post article, with rumors circulating that the president was preparing to fire then-CIA director Gina Haspel and replace her, oh, there you go, with Trump loyalist Cash Patel, Milley sought to intervene, the book says. He confronted White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows at the annual Army-Navy game, which Trump and other high official guests attended. What the hell is going on here, Milley asked Meadows, according to the book. What are you guys doing? When Meadows responded, don't worry about it. Millie shot him a warning. Just be careful. That's interesting, interesting. to me too, right now. Now, yep. again, let me step back. I think, I think this is hugely important. I think it's a hugely important revelation. I think sometimes we fail to understand that just because our gut tells us something is going on, um, it doesn't mean it is going on. I, I just, I'm not even sure how to explain this, but it is hugely important that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs actually thought this was happening. This no, there's, 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 right? I, mean, I, I would, I, I'm trying to, exp- I w- I'm going to try to put into words what you're trying, what I yeah. think you're trying to say, and I could get it wrong, which is, well, my, my question enormous- is, why, why should we, why do we care in the sense that our readers, our listeners are going? We all knew this six months ago. What this is about. because there's an enormous difference between looking from the outside like we are, being smart enough to analyze all the different moves he was making and saying to yourself, okay, he's trying, but he has no chance of this actually happening, or he's fainting in that direction, you know, in like a pathetic attempt to say, to scare people and say, this is how powerful I am. Look at me, Mr. Big Narcissist, blah, blah, blah. No, like he was doing enough in enough different places. And I promise you folks, someday somebody will write a definitive book and they'll call it something, you know, it's like, I think of the, the was it a thousand days on Kennedy? They'll call it like 65 days or whatever. And they'll analyze between the election and January 20th, 
and all of the shit we still don't know that this guy was trying. Because when you when it dribbles out, the calling and threatening the Secretary of State and telling him to change stuff in Georgia, the meeting with the Michigan lawmakers um, to try to get them, you know, to change uh, the vote to get rid of the electoral vote in Michigan. Uh, the fact that Pennsylvania lawmakers were starting to talk about, you know, meeting and discussing this, this wasn't all just happening by accident. It was a literally day in, day out attempt at a coup d'etat for those two months of the kind that does not theoretically happen in this country. And enough to the point of where Trump realized he wasn't going to get this through getting state legislators loyal to him and judges who he had appointed to help him. So now he was going towards the military option as we're getting into December and January. He, you know, I mean, obviously, even right after November, he started to talk about this stuff because uh, Millie's scared even a week after the election. Right. But we're getting to the point where where a couple people who, without respect for our democracy, you know, at the CIA, at the FBI, hell, what if Millie had been somebody, uh, you know, who, who didn't respect democracy? Where would we be right now? Yeah. I mean, it's a legit question. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, that, and yeah. that's the difference to me between yeah. us pontificating from outside that, oh, you know, he's trying some stuff, but it's pathetic and it's nothing to worry about versus, you know, versus it was very real. Well, it, <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, he was, look, he was there in the thick of it. Also incredibly way more experienced than we are at all of this. And he was convinced a coup d'etat was about to happen. I mean, I, my reading of the article is he was pretty convinced a coup d'etat was about to happen. Right. That scares me because I think even though I was very worried about a coup. Okay, Cliff, let me put it this way. I was not 100% convinced that Trump was going to go ahead with a coup. I was very right. worried about it. Was I at 90%? Probably, right? It wasn't 50, but but I was not 100 what hearing that Millie as well fought this moves the needle much closer to a hundred percent for me in terms right. of my because because yeah. even this book, yeah. as far as we know, and this Washington Post article doesn't doesn't get to us even the book. You know, it gives a lot of people anonymity. We don't know all the people Millie was hearing from to come to that conclusion. Correct. All right, and clearly, so who is that friend of his? I mean, that friend of his could be, you know, like trust me, yeah, when, when they they do stuff to hide that stuff. I mean, that, that friend of his could have been, you know, a, this it could have been for all we know, it could have been Esper at the Defense Department. Yeah, yeah. you know, like say, own, you know, it could have been Trump's own chief of staff saying, "You need to hear what I'm hearing." And all of a sudden, you go, "Holy shit!" Right? I right. overheard a meeting between some top officials. I mean. It's yeah. So when you talk to a reporter, I should we should let people know. Often, especially if you've got something that that's going to blow people's minds, you tell them how to refer to you, right? If you don't, right. if you want to, if you don't want your name on the record, or you can tell them how to refer to somebody else. I mean, it could have been Mike Pence, who is an old yeah. friend of of you know Millie's calling, and it could have been that's Meadows. Even that you're if, right. That's true too. Yeah. Yeah. Even if he went and he got in Meadows' face at that game, it still could have been yeah. Meadows who called him. And, and, you know, and Meadows could have been like, I want you to put that part in there because I don't want him to suspect yeah. it was me. Yeah. You know, it could have been a number of people right around him yeah. who, who were doing this. Uh, and again, Esper, the head of defense, who saw yeah. the people he was installing after he was fired. I mean, point being, he yeah. saw this going on. And even though I may not use the word he was convinced as John would, I would say, in my opinion, after reading it, he was very scared that it would happen. He, he, he was, was absolutely convinced it was a real might, possibility. Right. Yes. He was scared shitless that it might happen. Right. Now, and that me, Trump was putting things in place to make it happen. Right. There you go. Actually, there you go. He was – exactly. Okay. One of the other reasons this matters 
Remember when, uh, even leading up to the election and then after the election, we had a lot of podcasts, and I wrote a lot about this, about the various scenarios Trump could try to use. to. Where did you write about it, John? Gee, I think I wrote about it on my new newsletter on Substack, Cyber Disobedience. That's one word. Should everybody subscribe to that? They ought to. Free subscription, but if you want to pay for it, that would be lovely. As the, right. Nigerian, as the Nigerian trolls say on social media, that would be lovely. I just wanted well, it's, to make, it's it's funny actually. I want to make sure no. people knew where to where to find your your newsletter should they be interested. That's exactly. Go ahead. I just get a kick out of it because there's a lot of so many of the unlike gay social media you get hit on all the time by these clearly uh, fake accounts because they're trying to scam you for money, and they pretend to be Americans and they're always white Americans with like red hair or you know like blonde blonde pure corn fed American boys, and they use from Nigeria. And they use words like lovely when they talk to you. <laughs> well, as I say, and anybody who knows that knows that that's, the British use that often. That's yes. British English. And, and that's my colon, favorite thing. And their former colonies. Right. That's my <laughs> favorite thing is because, because I, you know, I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm very into European well, soccer. I've been there a billion times, but I also lived in Brighton, England, where I went to, where I went to uh, for about eight, nine months. Yep. Um, and so I know all those little phrases so Lovely. well and th- th- that we don't use. Or if somebody will say, somebody's like, that would be brilliant if you could. And I'm like, oh, brilliant. Yeah, I <laughs> yes, do a brilliant. master class on, on how trolls could, on how scamming trolls could better extort money from people. But in any right, case, like, so start by studying American English, not British English. Exactly. That would be a better. Okay, go ahead, John. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because we talked about a lot of different scenarios about Trump, the election, the electoral college, states not certifying, all that kind of stuff, right? You should have seen, first of all, it was not generally accepted by the powers that be. And I mean by the pundit, you know, the punditocracy. And I'm and I use that word uh, generously. I don't use it crit, uh, criticizingly, meaning people like Cliff and me. Right. I mean, I mean, people who know politics are out there who are kind of talking head types, you know, have some influence. A lot of them did not agree with us. You know, it was Amanda Marcotte agreeing with us. Right. But a lot of people on the left uh, or the center. The sensible center did not really agree with us that Trump was necessarily – forget the coup – that Trump was necessarily going to try to steal the election. They were like, oh, he's not going to do that because it, there's no way to even do that. It won't be effective. We're a democracy. We can't, Things like that can't happen in America. And I'm – because I remember my friend – a friend of mine at, at Center for American Progress, who's been just a real expert on this stuff, and he he's been writing a lot about it. Was getting pushed back too, and it it really kind of pissed me off. Is your friend public? And would it be somebody he you'd is? Want and to of course, about? he's a really good friend of mine. But because I've got whatever that psychological thing is, when you mention someone, you forget their name. Yes, <laughs> remember, Mike. I'm forgetting Mike's name. <laughs> hilarious. I'm sure he'll be a good friend when this is all over. I will introduce people when I do this. It drives yeah. me crazy. I literally, and I mean, I remember the one time, probably my best friend in grad school, Kelly Herberger, and I was at a party and I turned and I said, oh, and I said, oh yeah, this is, and I looked at her and I stopped and she looked at me and she goes, you've got to be kidding me. Because <laughs> she knew exactly <laughs> what was going on. I was like, I'm sorry. She goes, Kelly, John, my name's, I mean, I've known her for my best friends but so that's what they do mike i'm forgetting mike's last name but a uh, good guy former chief of staff on this in the senate uh very involved uh, probably the election integrity guy at cap and he was writing a lot about it and was getting pushback from people so what is that's what's interesting to me is that even on so 
we're going on too long, but even the issue of them stealing the election by playing with the electoral votes was just too far for a lot of the objective people in the center. And now we're hearing, oh, yeah, and he was literally possibly, well, we believe he was planning a coup d'etat. So well, that, not that's just us, of, the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs did, right. or at least believe that, 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 that he was, but, yeah. But that's, why, that's why this story is so significant to me, is we were not, we were not the zeitgeist, our views, your views, Cliff's views. We were, um, we were outliers worrying about this. The powers that be that help create conventional wisdom in Washington. This, and, and again, I say these are smart people that I actually like and trust and listen to. They just were like, you know, don't worry about it. And now we hear maybe you should worry about it. Anyway, that's why this raises it. Now, actually, Cliff, let's get into this issue. What ethical issues uh, are not ethics? What's the um, word I'm looking for when it's work involved? Uh, not ethics. Uh, not, work. You need to explain further what it is you're talking about, and then I'll try. Uh, no, I'm saying the word. It's not the word ethics. It's the other word you use for. Uh, maybe it is ethics when you're talking about uh, in the workplace. Yeah, maybe it is ethics. It's, I think it's um, ethics too. What ethical issues are there in terms of a a military leadership jumping in to save our democracy? Does it really save a democracy when the military leadership tries to thwart the president? I mean, it's it's a hell of an SAT question, right? Um, you know, I mean, it it, it can be. Um, it's not. It would probably be what I would call the last resort of a democracy in trouble. Yeah. You certainly don't want the military, but I mean, you know, if we'd had to install have military it sounds like guard, the definition of a coup d'état, ironically, it does to stop. A but if we had to have them guard every polling place, right, mm -hmm. to make sure that people could go out and honestly vote you know, how they wanted to on election day. It's certainly the, the sign of a weak and and in trouble democracy, but that's but you know it's the kind of third thing that happens in developing countries and democracies probably relatively often where the military has to make sure that, you know, I mean, they're on the wrong side of it sometimes sure here and there. They have to go out if they're in, in, if they're actually trying to make sure an election can happen without violence and without you know, but you're right. Like you're eroding democratic principles at that point in a pretty serious way. No. But I mean, you know, again, you know, when you're a guy who's, who's, uh, you know, who's, uh, about to fall off, uh, you know, a, a, the edge of a mountain, you don't worry about getting cancer in 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes, sometimes you have to, you have to break the glass. It's an emergency and yep. you got to do what you got to do. Yep. Um, no, no, I agree. It's, it's a really weird. It's really weird. And actually, because we're talking about the parallel mirror universe of the Republicans with all of their evil goatees using everything against us, it's that's a Star Trek reference, kids. Just so you know, exactly. It's Spock and a goatee. Exactly. It is. <laughs> Sorry, exactly, it is exactly what the Republicans would do if they wanted to have a coup d'état. They would sit there and go. Oh, Biden is doing things that are illegal. And uh, mind you, hell, Cliff, it's what they're doing with the election, right? Oh, my God, we think Biden's going to do something illegal and he's not going to allow X, Y, and Z. So we needed the military to take over to defend democracy. It is the Reichstag fire, right? To defend democracy, I must take over and have a dictatorship. It, that's what is so scary about it is it's the same language and the same actions the bad guys would do to install a dictatorship. To have a coup is what you need to stop a coup. But that's and what's interesting is is you know we talk about our institutions saving us, they did 
it seems. Um, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm not saying that, 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 like, the fact that we had to worry about it, the fact that they, you know, and I think he mentions it in that, that piece about Millie saying that the things were bending, if not breaking, you know, the, the institutions of our government. But the interesting thing is, is the military, as we know, in most cases, I, I mean, again, I, I would guess in most cases, hmm. are the ones responsible for a coup. But the thing about having a long democratic tradition like we've had, at least in the past, you know, and I and I would tell you, if I'm being honest, I don't know how this kind of stuff didn't happen in the past. I really don't. Besides the Civil War, obviously, and there are a couple of cases of uprisings and these kinds of things. Um, but like the fact that the military is, for lack of a better term, doesn't sound like a great term, indoctrinated yeah. in, you know, in the belief of of their of, that their role should not be should be separate from civilian life right. and that they seem to be with a couple of exceptions imagine if they were like mike flint like you know we would we would be we'd be at this point yeah. we'd be a dictatorship oh, yeah. well and that's the, i mean and, honestly, and in what, other countries he, there's what if he go had, ahead what if he had picked general flynn as the chair right and he'd been able to i mean that's the thing is like in all these other countries you know when you have, you have numerous flins uh when you have numerous spocks with the goatee to go forward with john's medical you're in trouble you've been listening to a free excerpt of the unprecedented podcast to hear the rest of the show and hear all of our past shows and support our work as independent media please go to patreon.com slash unprecedented podcast and become a subscriber for as little as five dollars a month you can have all of our old episodes, see all of our Zoom interviews, and support the great work that we hope you think we're doing promoting the democratic and liberal agenda. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. See you next episode.